is the chop up, this is the chop up, this is the chop up, and no one can do it live. My name is Cam G, the coolest, allow me to do the honor. I'm with my sister Toya G, and she's straight out of KC. Moved to the West Coast, but still gon' keep it G. We got together to give the people something that's free. The chop up should come off organically, cause on the mic, on the phone, we gon' have these conversations anyway. And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media. And you can chop up any day, cause you can stream us in any place. And then I say I was Cam G, the coolest. Had to reel you in if you never knew us. Straight from Dallas, Texas, making OG maneuvers. And this is a recording where no one can do it lava. This is the chop up. What's up, what's up? This is The Chop Up, and you already know, it's Cam G, the coolest. And of course, your girl, Toya G. Hey, and we're back. Absolutely. On third episode. Episode number third three. Episode. episode number three. How you feel about the first two episodes, G? I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, feeling real good. Just really appreciating the feedback that, that we've gotten. I believe you said we got uh, near 200... Uh, listens on a, on a couple of different platforms. So basically, like, you know, uh, shout out to the people. I mean, and this is just via us sharing it on Facebook. I know I put it on, put posted it on my Instagram, mm-hmm. but uh, the SoundCloud right. I did. is popping right now. The Blog Talk Radio is popping right now. So everybody who is going and listening on those two platforms, SoundCloud.com/slash mm-hmm. the Chop Up and Blog Talk uh, dot com, Blog Talk com slash the Chop Up. Thank y'all so much. And if you are just yes. getting familiar with what we're doing, make sure you check us out in those places. We're starting up the Facebook page and the Instagram page pretty soon. So you'll see those links start to pop up on our profile so that we uh, can expand mm-hmm. appropriately and also give you a, a taste of what we look at and some of the media that we are confronted with on a day-to-day basis. We'll start to share some of that, post some of our own original content and, and get into it and have a good time. So thank y'all for listening. Shout out yes, to you. you. Salute thank to you. you. And, and keep doing it. And share. Share. Comment. You know when we post these links. Definitely mm-hmm. share your perspectives. Give some insight. Mm-hmm. Give some um, suggestions if you want to hit somebody's inbox. We also have an email. The chop up email at gmail.com. If you have uh, some ideas, some perspectives, some things, maybe you want to post in a public place, but you can send it to our inboxes there and we'll get it. Um, But make sure you're listening. Make sure you're sharing. Make sure you are liking. Make sure you're going and visiting and checking out the content that we have because we're trying to keep it interested. We're trying to keep it fresh. We're trying to grow. We're trying to thrive. We're trying to do everything that we can to make sure that this chop up experience is everything that it needs to be. Right? Yeah, right. hold it down, Toya. We G. holding it down. I'm, we, it I'm down. trying to. We, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Yes. Uh, working yes. with you yeah. is is a great time. Working on um, figuring out how to develop a, a little brainchild right. is really, really right. fun. Just all of these things are really rolling together to to give me something interesting to do, and I'm I'm, in, I'm just enjoying seeing it grow. You know. But how much time? I'm sorry to cut you off, but how much time do you think we spend just laughing, though? Enough of it. <laughs> Enough of it. Like, can we get something done? Like, I'm, I'm happy. We spent a, a lot of time laughing and talking and joking and probably having conversations that we should have been court recording months ago. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we're on the mic on, you know, our mediums, getting our stuff together. We basically, all we needed to do was press record, but we was too busy laughing and just kind of thinking about and dreaming this thing into existence and just being us right. that, you know, we need to record a lot of that. So it's plenty of laughs, plenty of goofiness, plenty of 
uh, brow raising conversations that we have oh. that I think <laughs> that I think keep it keep it fun. It keep it it keeps yeah. it fun. I think okay. So we talking about how how me and you like to go back and forth. One thing when we was in school. Um, we used to talk about music a lot. Right, 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 right. That was one thing we would just, you know, kind of get music. Being in the middle of the map, we would get it from everywhere. So we would, that's how we would chop it up. So Definitely. I, I, I remember when, nights just sitting around on, uh, what, live mixtapes in that piff. Yeah. And we just yeah. tossing each other back and forth. Hey, listen to this indie mixtape. Listen to this. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Did you uh, catch whatever tapes was, you know, out and, and high at the time we were listening to? Um, what, what, mm-hmm. what was hot around there? Frank Ocean was a big deal at that point. Yeah, um, you had some no ceilings popping off a little bit while we were um, in undergrad. Just mm-hmm. a bunch, a bunch of different music that really I know defined my early adulthood. I don't know about you, but yeah, I, I was. That's when I really just dove into music, like just yeah. using the internet to just find all type of stuff. Yeah, um, like. I found the dude out of Flint, Michigan, Jabril Forte, and John Connor. Yeah, that's that's my Flint, Michigan representative. Shout out to John mm-hmm. Connor. I've been listening to oh. a lot of his uh, old music as of lately, and that's led me to mm-hmm. listen to some of the newer, more recent stuff he had. For a long time, he was unsigned and just recently got signed by uh, Eminem and Aftermath. Right, um, right. And, you know, the, the texture and the sound of it has changed just a little bit, but it's still bars on bars on bars. So shout out to John Connor, definitely. It was another guy we, we used to really uh, jam, uh, Translee. Absolutely. Coming out of, what was Alabama? it? Alabama. Uh, Alabama, yeah. Hun- was it Huntsville? Huntsville. I, I mean, <laughs> I, the, he cold, though. Like, I like Translee yeah. because he was a performer, and I could tell that just by listening. You know, a lot of right. times it's like, cool, he got bars, cool, he um, has content, cool, he, you know, speaks from a different or a particular place in his region, his city, he reps and puts on for whatever he's talking about, and so that's nice. And you can usually draw those individual things, but you can listen to somebody and be like, he's a performer. Like, that was really a lot of the times how I felt like the journeys I would go on with his songs is hype, it's funny, it's live, it's entertaining. He intentionally talks about the fact that he wants people to enjoy and have a good time listening to his music, and... I, he just got he got wordplay, you know. So it also helps, you know. Me, I'm I'm listening to your words. You know, your beat is cool, and I'm a bang right. with that, and I'm gonna get down with that, and that's gonna be nice. But your words, I'm definitely connected to the rhetoric people are using and the way that they are putting together their ideas and composing um, that masterpiece. As far as something that I want to be saying out loud and kind of repeating and spitting, and you know, right. we're products of our environments. We listen to what we listen to. I'm a radio junkie, and so you know, I listen to the top mm-hmm. forty two. But every now and again, it's nice and refreshing to hear some independent artists uh, putting yeah. their own little, you know, kiss of, of of flavor on rap music. Oh, I can't. I've, I keep missing this, but uh, shout out to Sleazy uh, Splatter Paint Production yeah. for putting the help putting the intro together. Speaking of music, oh shout out to Sleazy. Yeah, I feel appreciate you, bro. If you're listening, salute to you, bro. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. That intro song, what you hear at the beginning, what you hear at the end, masterful production. Um, we definitely want to keep some interesting vibes going on, on the show, so we might even switch it up every now and again. We know ne- you never know what intro we're gonna right, come right. with. Um, heavy rotation, but Sleazy Sleazy definitely started us off right with that one. So thank you. Yes, appreciate. Thank it. you. Um, well, I was gonna say I've been listening to radio. Okay. And I've been listening to. <laughs> Jazz in the classical stations, like just be rolling around, like. Of course, 
of course you've been listening to jazz and classical music because you just you know, cool. I really, I'm, and that's what cool people do. I, I mean, I've, I've been listening to my other genres as well, but uh, I don't know. It's it's like I've been driving. I had I still had a uh, to pepper butterfly right on. in the deck, and I was like, ah, now nah, I'm gonna listen to some some symphony. Some classical shit right now. Yeah, I mean, what he said. I'm just, I'm just now getting uh, familiar with this new tape that he's on with Kendrick, and I've also been listening to uh, what is it called, Revenge of the Dreamer, and whatever. But there's a song he's on mm-hmm. where he's like, I take trap music and combine it with jazz music or something like that. Some, some he, he's like repping Wait, who, who's that? Kendrick. And so it makes me think about the transition you made from To Pimp a Butterfly mm-hmm. to the jazz music and to the classical music you're listening to because he's like, right. that's literally the embodiment of what I'm doing to the game right now. I'm both mm-hmm. uh, repping for the trap, repping for the block, repping for the road, but I'm giving you that eclectic, independent, vibrant, you know what I'm saying, smooth feeling vibe that you ain't gonna find nowhere else but and so i mean you say you didn't like to pimp a butterfly right? i said I, I didn't okay to, to to stand corrected not that i did oh, not like fault, it but that my i fault, i liked it less than i like forest hill drive so uh forest hills drive was just a better project to me i felt it more i got i got kendrick on my phone you know what i'm saying i got it in the itunes mm-hmm. and so i didn't dislike it i just didn't like it as much as other people did um and right. i think that's okay um, I think it was a mouthful. I think that it was appropriate. It was right, and he was what he was supposed to do. And and this is the part where we diverge because I feel like sometimes I'm saying that I want a watered down, kind of more palatable, um, mm-hmm. mainstream production or something. I'm simply saying I mm-hmm. think that is a masterful project, something that is composed and is well rounded, and it comes full circle. I just feel like Forest Hill Drive, Forest Hills Drive, does that a little bit better for me, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to what ended up being kind of noisy and clunky sometimes in To Pimp a Butterfly. But that's just me, you know. See, and I found that beautiful about it. Yeah. And I didn't like. I wasn't able to like really get into J Cole like that. Like I, I was. We, we was well, that's one of the artists we found like on uh, on the live mixtapes and that pit back then. Yeah. So. You know, we've been listening to him since then. I'm just, I just really fell off of him. I just, I don't know if it's his voice or the sound of music. Because I know he's talking about relevant issues in his life. And, you know, these are things that are important to, to music and hip-hop in general. But I just, just me personally, I just, I just wasn't really, I just wasn't really feeling it. I mean. And when I just loved the Pimple Butterfly, though. Like, it just had so much to it. It had a little bit of everything. It was it was hard. It, it was soft at times. It had it gave you some really abstract. I, mean, I, I think that words have come up a few uh, a few times tonight. But abstract. I'm just really been into that. I mean, like, coming with that just that abstract feel. A part of it, I chalk it up to being different strokes for different mm-hmm. folks, which I think people mm-hmm. don't allow enough yeah. of in hip hop. You know, it's very blanket conversations and interpretations of what good hip hop is and bad hip hop. And I think it's just up to the listener. Um, and right. I, I don't think that it makes you shallow or less intelligent or less capable of, of validating good music to say, you know, what you feel one way or another. I just feel like when it comes down to it, um, sometimes I don't I don't know. You know, it just ends up mm-hmm. being what you like and what you don't. And it right. like this is not to disregard and put it in the bad bin. It's just to say that, you know, you know, Kendrick is Kendrick. And I think he's dope, and I think he's bad, and I think he's not to be played with. But I think J. Cole 
is cold is cold is the reality we Cole need right now. Cold is the reality we need, we need right now. He in the streets. He at the protest. He on the block. He with the people. He telling his story. He being organic. He is being consistent. Hey, com- comparatively. I think Cole is yeah, out here a little bit more. That might be my issue with Cole. I'm, 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 I don't know. What's the, your I, issue with Cole is I want to see something different. I want to. I want to see maybe see something different. I feel like I've been getting the same. It gets same better to me. To me, it's been I, get something different maybe, but I think he's been consistently mm. stellar at what he's been doing. I'd be like, uh, that's kind of how we feel after I listen to. It. I mean, hey, you know. But you know, I like I like Kanye too. He he got different. Every album is different. Kanye. A lot of people, a lot of people hated on um, on Yeezus, but I was, I think the first track was it was really throw how it came in, but like if you listening to it, shit went hard. Got his, he got his words together. You know they ain't how to put that shit together. Um, Kendrick the same way. They just, they just cold with it. I mean, there's no question of the ability. And I think I think Kendrick had one of the there's best no rap albums for a long time. See, by the way, I don't so. know, and that's that's a tall order. And I don't know, you keep <laughs> you keep making these tall orders, which is we gonna get there. We we're, I don't we're, see it as a tall. Why is it a tall? I order? don't know. I don't know. For, like it just, it, I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. But I know I'm in a minority as far as the cold. Like I know I get it. It's it's needed. Just not feeling it. That's I mean, and and that's fair. Outside of these, yeah. outside of these, kind of more visible, prominent artists, you know, in terms of Cole, in terms of Kendrick, in terms of Ye. Outside of them, who who are you listening to? Who's one person you would tell the listeners to maybe go run and holler at real quick? Do you have anybody? Ooh, I'll be on my Spotify kick. We were talking about earlier. Uh, it's, it's a band called Toro Imoy. It's like on some pop. Uh, I, don't, I don't even call it pop. It's real laid back. I think I heard a description of it. It's called like bachelor pad music. Yeah. So, um, and I saw I went to my, with my cousin to a show out here in Dallas earlier this year, and it was some. It was just. It was a great show. Real chill vibes. Everybody in there was just having a good time. It was, music sounded good. Um, it was dope. So, and you said they're on Spotify, Toro Imoi. Like, uh, I think I've seen. Yeah, T- that's how you. Yeah, T O R O, the letter Y, of course, E and then M O I. Toro, Toro, Toro right, Imoi. Right. Yeah, some people are not gonna like it. Like, yeah, but I just thought it was really dope. You put on a good show. I like, I like seeing people live and do their thing. So, I know one. See, and I really want to go see some more live music. This is two young ladies yeah. chilling, kicking it vibing on soundcloud called ocean and they are so like i would love Mm -hmm. to go and be a part of their vibe and go sit up somewhere and just uh take in you know what they do because the music that they put you got to check them out they're called ocean um o-s-h-u-n i believe um but they i mean on some like new like it's like a lauren hill floetry jill scott Girl, you went to school mm-hmm. with just black girl, beautiful magic like that they do, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's an experience. Like they just got the vibe. It really is something almost neo nostalgic about how they get down in their music. And so, like I don't know. It's definitely kind of a solely vibey tilt, but it's it's worth the yeah. listen. It's worth the listen. I'm I'm trying to make sure I got the spelling right. O S H. 
you win, I think is what it mm-hmm. is. But they, on SoundCloud, they dope. Hey, and what I want the people listening to do, if you have SoundCloud suggestions, I need some. I really don't yeah. get on SoundCloud all that much. I'm trying to use it more that, you know, the platform is here. I was on it before we started the show trying to get my music life right. But it's so much music out here. And I that was a conversation right. we was having a little bit earlier um, just about how much music just exists that you got to consume and take in. Yeah, Ocean, O-S-H-U-N. They got the song right. called Preach uh, with like three E's in it. And that they, they just, they snap. But... It's so much music out here to take in between mm-hmm. independent artists, between the pl- these platforms that make the music available at your fingertips, uh, between these mixtapes that keep coming out every two days, between these <laughs> albums that Future keep dropping every three days. <laughs> That's what I'm about to say. Uh, <laughs> like, I can't even keep up with what's out. That's why right. I don't really listen to nothing. Like, I listen to a lot of mm-hmm. old music and a lot of music that's not popular. Like, at any given time, I'm working out in the gym listening to gospel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just because. I mean the the old the old goodies never change, and then outside of that, like um, when I was on my quest for good music back when you were talking about an undergrad, like XV, mm-hmm. Celeb Forever, John Connor, Transley, Kansas. Oh yes, you know what I'm saying. All of these people yeah. that really were dope to me are still mm-hmm. dope to me, and so I just keep going with them. I got the occasional right. days playing a little bit, um, but outside of that. Like it's just too much. You ain't got your trap music. I can't. Nah, in the rotation. You know, I'm not really a trapper. I really don't. <laughs> I got a little bit. I don't know if this counts, but like, and MP, I might be judged, but whatever. Um, a little Young Thug and Quan, uh, Rich Homie Quan. I got a little mixtape mm-hmm. they did. Um, that I let rotate a little bit. Not even the whole thing. I skip a lot of songs, but I play right. some of that. But I don't. I don't trap sometimes. I don't know. I gotta let it find me. I just don't go. Uh, I don't go seek it out. But that's so just boring. everybody different. That shit boring. What's boring? <laughs> Trap music. Yeah, I just I'm never gonna be able to understand. <sighs> to each their own. I ain't. I don't hate on it. I just it has to be a certain kind of good for me. And yeah, I mean it gotta be something special about it. And to me, it's not enough. It's not enough special about it. Some people, I know people who study the trap. I know people who, mm-hmm. you know, work out the mm-hmm. trap. I, I know people who, like, just bust it. They Uber it. They <laughs> walk it to trap music. And that's really mm-hmm. how they function and get down. And really, again, because I'm so content-oriented and I really am listening to the words that you're saying, I can't just look right. past uh, that for the beat all the time. And, and it's some right. crazy just artistic like how do you have that ear i have a a great appreciation for people who compose uh these tracks and put this music together and make these beats and do these productions on these songs like i have an immense amount of respect for them but i just have so much more respect for the artist that makes it all matter and so Mm -hmm. it just depends on you know what your ear is and how you rock i just don't it's not my cup of tea but shout out to my people you know who going hard on the trap game um shout out to everybody doing their thing You know, did that rhyme? I think so. I think so. Hey, Cam G the cool. <laughs> I think so. All right, but we all right. So we we already talking about, and I think this trap music uh, conversation kind of fits very neatly into what I want to transition into. If that's cool with yes. you, we yeah, that works. Ended the last show talking about Chirac. Um, we talked about you know kind of our conceptions and perceptions of it based on the trailer how we felt about you know our initial responses and our initial reactions to what we saw and what we anticipated seeing 
And then we both went and saw the movie. You saw it. When did you yep, see it? Yeah. A couple days ago? I, yes, it's been a couple it's days. It's been a couple yeah. days. I went and saw it last mm-hmm. night. And so it's been out, you know, for not quite a week, maybe a couple days shy of a week. Six days. Yeah, and here we are. Here we are. It's a lot of buzz about this movie. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly but surely people are sliding in, going to see it. Yeah. Um, And they they feel some type of way a bunch of different types of ways about it and so do we i think <laughs> very interestingly enough yeah. we both went right. and saw it and i didn't assume that we were going to have the same take on it but i definitely you know thought we were going to meet a little bit more in the middle and i don't i don't know if it happened so i don't know talk to me well yeah well see toy i didn't vent it to toya off the mic and she didn't <laughs> She's told me nothing. You, <laughs> nothing. Well, I, I, <laughs> you see, you see. Uh, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to be good. secretive, but rather I'm just. Uh-uh. I've uh, I've heard a lot of your perspective on it. I have I'm saving it. I'm saving. And it. I just I'm I'm not sure. I just want to I, I want to share what I have to feel about it. I want to hear what you got to say about it. I just want to have a meeting of the mind. So, in in a couple, in a couple ideas and a couple notions tell me what you really enjoyed about Chirac first uh, explain Chirac and the premise of the movie for the people who haven't seen it just yet okay well Chirac I said Chirac on the last show if you caught that Chirac <laughs> it's a Greek classic uh Lysistrata is, a, is the the name of the classic uh Aristophanes Ooh, did I get you that? did Aristophanes. Aristophanes that is the <clears throat> writer creator they remade it uh, set it in modern day Chicago. Um, Tiana Paris, uh, Nick Cannon were in a relationship. Uh, and Tiana Paris was a leader, the gang, one of the gang leaders. Uh, there was a child that was, that was killed. And it sparked a change, a revolt. The women decided to abstain from sex. In case y'all not ready yet, there's plenty of spoilers in the rest of this conversation, so get ready. Yeah, I, 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 and that's, I'm kind of <laughs> stumbling because I'm like, uh, uh, okay, don't tell the movie, but yeah, we might end up telling the spoiler movie. Spoiler alert, y'all. if you listen past yeah, here, just alert. know that you know, you'll know you be watching the movie in review because we finna lay it out. I'm not pulling no punches. Yeah. I'm talking about everything. Yeah, so <clears throat> so they, they abstained from sex and they, they did it in a way that I know many won't agree with but so okay they abstain from sex Mm. um they challenge this whole gang war people can go see the movie and get the context for it themselves they can google it and get get a good impression of what's going on but i i did not like this movie i did not enjoy it i i i wanted to leave the theater (laughs) a couple of different times and did it crazy um because i wanted to be able to have the convert this conversation um, in its complete, in, in its complexities, in its completeness, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to stick around for the entire thing. I kept hoping for like a ten minute pocket where it was going to redeem itself, and it never came. And so, I'm interested to hear why you liked it so much. What was so good about Chirac to you? See, we say so much. I didn't really like it so much, but I, I definitely didn't hate it. And that's that's the th- the I think the point I was trying to make earlier is like I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like I just loved the movie like. Didn't get on social media, uh, you know, ringing his praises, but I definitely thought there were some some things to be liked about it. Um, you know, me, I'm definitely listening to the music. I'm going to check out the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it was written, like, it was like theater, poetry, and personally, I tried to write a story 
using poetry like just personally for myself just to see if I can do it and it was pretty hard like it was hard to come up with one and you know I was just sitting there watching a the movie thinking about like dang this had to be really difficult to to put this together for a whole movie and you know some of the parts were very corny like very corny and I laugh but you know I, I can appreciate corny at times hmm. um Okay. You know, so it, it it was stuff like that, and then I um I peeped a lot of the art that they put put in the film. I saw a lot of graffiti. Uh, one that I won't say it stood out. I just remembered it because it was one of the ones later in the movie. It said uh, "spray paint, not guns." Mm-hmm. It was written on the wall as the train went by. Like I saw that throughout the movie. Like it it the was art, like they were the just art, trying. To, the art is awesome. A lot of great murals. Yes, a yes. lot of great paintings. A lot of great backdrops. A lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just Chicago scenery, but because of the contrast of jobs between Chirac and Chicago, I feel like a lot mm. of just urban, the texture of the urban area was shown very mm. well um, through the imagery of the movie, definitely. And the, But the one thing, okay, we can, like Chirac and Chicago, like I've, I've visited there, visited like three times and I really didn't feel like Chirac was Chicago. Like, so... Once I got that from the movie, I kind of just put that in my head because I'm like, oh, no, nah, this isn't Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think that was the, the, the issue that a lot of people did have and probably will have because it's, it's, you're not going to get a proper representation of Chicago. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the people of Chicago. Um, I believe there there's a few actors from Chicago in the movie. I tried to look up as many as I could. I can only count four. Um, the rest of the cast was so fresh, they didn't really have information on them. Right. So, um, I mean, that was just, that was interesting, but definitely the art was uh, something I picked up on, and um, the little piece of negative information that they they talked about the Liberian Women's Peace Movement, yeah, which I had you know knew nothing about was about the the Civil War in Liberia starting in '89. I believe they had two civil wars, like over two hundred thousand people have you know died, mm-hmm. um, and they they organized. Uh, as women, as protectors, as nurturers, and and use this as an example, right? Right, exactly. Exactly, and they, they. I don't think the the major premise of their their movement was a sex strike, but I think that that gave it some popularity. Yeah, I think uh, from what I read, uh, Lisa Strada was used as an example, not necessarily to create the change or to be the mechanism that stopped the war itself, but it ended up mm-hmm. being very convenient to get the publicity and the attention on the issue that was necessary to start to galvanize peace talks to encourage people to come Mm -hmm. to the table and just to put some more light on what was happening. Right. Right. Okay. And I I just, I just thought that was, I don't know, whenever you can get something like that from a film, um, because this is, this is a film, this, this isn't a documentary, satire, dramedy, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, th- I think so. I think if you come in thinking that Chicago is going to be represented in, in, in one way, um, you know, you, you're probably going to be let down. I mean, I don't know how. I, I take issue, even in the representations of it, or representations aside, with mm-hmm. Spike Lee kind of beating his drum. He did an interview on Sway in the morning. I think is the name of the show. Um, did an interview with Sway and was like, ah, I wrote this movie to save lives. This movie can save lives. It's going to save lives. And I really do not understand that statement whatsoever. That is such a loaded mm-hmm. thing to say is that this movie is going to save mm-hmm. lives and saves lives. And then there is no extrapolation. There is no explanation. He goes no further to explain how or why this movie mm-hmm. is supposed to be something that saves lives. It's very interesting that it was written 
you know, he, he contends this over and over again and even makes statements like this in a movie that it's not just about, you know, Chirac and Chicago and that violence specifically, but rather it's about gang violence around the country um, and this dynamic that is plaguing us and this yeah. epidemic that we need to confront and deal with. And I think the issue that is I it, have... Is it gang that, violence? Well, no, it was gun violence. Not gang gun violence, violence, but gun violence. Um, like, the goal... And the way that I guess this movie was supposed to be written to bring everybody around it, you know, as this mm-hmm. meaningful satirical piece was to not only speak to, you know, Chirac, but it was supposed to be about Brooklyn. And you see the protests that happen mm-hmm. around the world in the movie. And so there's these different dynamics that are supposed to weave together this issue that we have um Specifically as Americans, though, with gun violence. Like, he specifically right. says that in this Sway interview. And I just, I I think if that's the case, then you miss the mark. I think if you're talking about black people, people specifically and their needs and issues with black on black and gun violence, you miss the mark. And so I'm, I don't know. May, I'm, and I, like, do we expect that from a filmmaker or do we expect that in a documentary? I, I, here's the thing. I can understand why you would say should we expect that from a filmmaker versus somebody making a documentary but like i have five reasons i have five places like where even what he did was just specifically problematic not just the the idea that you want to tell a story and the way Mm. you want to tell that story but even with your artistry even with you as a filmmaker like just five very problematic and like silly things that i think happened in this movie and with this movie that made it super super problematic Mm, um, okay. I'm gonna I'm go ahead and give them to you. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. We'll, this is all new. We'll start with number one. Number <laughs> one, uh, Spike Lee, especially, and y'all should go check out Google this Sway in the Morning, uh, Sway and Spike Lee interview. It's about 20 minutes long, so set some time aside mm-hmm. for that. But get into it and see because I think it's even titled uh, like his Kanye goes West tirade. Kanye you know, he he yeah. goes off on this Kanye type tirade where he he very indignantly just. I mean, defend your work and defend your project, but please do not be above reprieve. You know what I'm saying? Like, and mm. and and one of the things that bothered me about what he said so repeatedly was that this is all about black women. You know, we see criticisms and we saw criticisms of do the right thing. Every movie I come out with, they say we over sexualize black women. You know, um, because a lot of people have the problem with the way that black women and their sexuality, which has already been a problem that we need to be confronting, or not that we need mm-hmm. to be confronting, but that we've been grappling with as a community historically, was mm-hmm. magnified by the sex strike. And so, um, you know, he's like, oh, I love black women. I've shown this time and time again. We have beautiful, diverse depictions of black women. But here's my problem with his love for black women in this movie. Mm-hmm. Dude, you played R. Kelly twice. In the first 25 minutes of this movie about black women's empowerment. Now, a lot of people are like, okay, that's not really related. Let that go. But to me, it is a very Mm -hmm. lazy approach. And I call even I called this out on Facebook when I posted my status that it was a very lazy way to weave in Chicago culture to pull on. Mm A, an artist that has been largely problematic for the lives and specifically the sexual well-being of black women and then to pull on him and he's not even relevant as an artist like tell me a R. Kelly song that's out that matters that has been good and popping that makes him worthy of being you know a front runner so it was the issue that he doesn't matter no, the issue is that he is abusive and violent towards black women and that in a okay. movie about black women and their agency sexually, that he should not be mm-hmm. part and parcel with those representations. Not once, not just one song, but two songs 
by R. Kelly in the first couple minutes of this movie that really perturbed me and ticked me off for the rest of the show. Because I was like, mm. what? Why? Like, we literally just talked about the murals and all the different representations of Chicago, urban Chicago culture that we saw in that movie. Mm. You couldn't think of any other black artists, musicians, people available from Chicago to sing about the satire that you wanted to create about Chirac. You had to pick somebody who was specifically violent toward black women and is mm. unapologetically violent toward those same they, women they in this just, community. They just praised them at the Soul Train Awards. Did you see that? I'm over it. I ignored it. I heard about it. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, it hurts, you know. We, get the people what they want. Cam, I guess. We we twenty six. They just stood up and Gave him a whole whole big set at the end of the show. Bruh, we 26, 27. We somewhere in that pocket. You'll be 27 soon. I'm 26 now. Um, yeah, I hate to put us out there like <laughs> that, but we, we hitting it. We on the uptick. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I say all of that to say, you know, our, our first step into real life, uh, uh, kindergarten graduation mm-hmm. was spent singing, I believe I can fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we mm-hmm. probably sung it again if you didn't like me, again at your fifth grade graduation. So I love <laughs> R. Kelly. Um, for yeah. his contributions and the thing that he gave um, to black music, the gifts, the the songs, the writing, the production, a lot of respect. But he's not for able that. to come back from but from I'm, what he's done. I'm good. Like it's that from a distance love. It's that faint mm-hmm. memory love. It's that thanks for you know sticking around and doing what you did. But I got to draw the line somewhere. Type of love. So you'd rather just not hear from R. Kelly again? Basically, I appreciate okay. you, but. I don't feel like in a movie that is focused on the sexuality of black women that you should be mm-hmm. a prominent voice that echoes in the ears of the listeners who are taking in these messages and trying to separate and uh, decipher an already convoluted and complicated message through satire. I don't think we need to complicate that with any of R. Kelly and right. what, what, what he has to say about anything or sing about anything. That's just me. Well, I say if, if he weren't fooling with him, he wouldn't have been in the movie because I'm just... I was wondering why they put him on the Soul Train Awards when I saw him. I, I was like, for real? Yeah. I just, I think. I'm like, evidently somebody, you know, he's wanted somewhere. So he hasn't been ridiculed enough, obviously. We need, he just I, I think. Got two songs on the but too often, I was kind of. Too often. Bobbing my head to it. Too guilty. often does the violence toward young black girls and young black women get swept, swept under a rug. It gets undercovered. Definitely. It gets under talked about. We see that with mm-hmm. Daniel Hole's Claw. You know, mm-hmm. um, the police officer in, I think, Oklahoma City or Tulsa, one of those cities, but in Oklahoma town, um, that is on trial now. And we hear little to nothing about it when he was walking around um, raping black women. Right. right. Um, and they not they didn't put nothing. Little little like to nothing. Zero. There's a lot of. Like, no, it was zero. Like zero. It's all this Internet articles. Little to nothing about. There, there was a little buzz about his uh, his his uh, his jury that was uh, selected mm-hmm. to be a part of it because there seemed to be some biases there. But. Like, we don't talk enough about the violence against black women. We passively deal with it, and then when it's convenient, like in movies like Chirac, we put it on a pedestal and we give ourselves something to point to and pack our back, pat ourselves on the back about. But I, I think that was very sloppy um, and, and misleading and misguiding for the overall message that Spike Lee wants to have in that sway in the morning interview about how he uh, forefronts the diversity and needs of black women to then turn around and front and center put R. Kelly on it. Not once, but twice in the first couple minutes of the movie. I just think that was a fail. Mm. Um, my second issue with the movie was that I think it creates, at at 
the very least a caricature of the black experience. Um, and that makes me very uncomfortable as a person trying to appreciate the satirical aspects of it. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, he, he tries to get away with a lot, uh, by dressing this in a, in a conversation about satire. I think Spike Lee tries to get away from the truthiness of the experience in Chirac by trying to explain it away through satire and trying to explain away the need to be, uh, or have fidelity to their experiences by wrapping it up. And it's not just a specific story about Chicago, but like little petty stuff, like, bruh, nobody is banging flags no more. Like nobody's wearing bandanas. They said it in the video. And I'm willing to say that in, in regular day, Kansas city and Dallas and LA, mm. like nobody's wearing bandanas. And you got these people walking around looking stupid. Like, if this is supposed to be a contemporary, he was very um, insistent that this, as opposed to uh, Straight Outta Compton, was a contemporary movie, as opposed to a time yeah. piece or a kind of historical piece. So if you're supposed to be See, so it's, really it's not so Straight true, Outta Compton, though, it's, it's Chirac. It is. I, I just felt like it, it was just drama, it was dramatizing over the top, definitely. But, but I just felt like it was like, so blatant that it had to be intentional. This caricature, though, like, like even not, white games, like, not, they don't look like that. They don't they don't act right, like I'm, that. Like, these, you got bandanas. Maybe that was the intention. I think that's, I, I think it, because you get hung up on that, like he he could have did all that on purpose. I think it's strategic. I think it's a strategic misstep. And until he says, mm-hmm. you know, the reason why I over exaggerated these very stereotypical notions of what it means to be a gang, uh, wink wink, put Nick Cannon in the backyard and have him drinking what looks like Robitussin and a styrofoam. Like I was just like, this is so bad. Like. Outside of the whole bandanas and banging flames, it looks so weak. It looks so weak. He was <laughs> that back. was weak. That was weak. I give you that. Just that scene just looks so like, bad. They know, like these these are these are black people. They know, like I just I felt like it was just some of that stuff was just so corny. It was it had to be intentionally intentionally. Done. I'm not giving him that much credit. And if it was intentionally done, then shame on you. Like to me too. Another <laughs> problematic thing that makes the, the, the his his portrayal a, a portrayal a caricature to me is that it pulls from the like the Chirac mantra and like the Chirac mm-hmm. kind of um, labeling and understanding of the situation happening there. But none of the other black motifs of Chicago culture of the black Chicago culture. So it's like it's very convenient that you want to talk about Chirac, 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 but none of their lingo, none of their um, culture, none of Music. the just kind of neutral aspects of what happens in South Side of Chicago were a part of the movie at all. Like, and so I well, feel you like could tell that wasn't gonna happen when when the movie. I wasn't sure about the intro song, but like, I mean, once I saw Samuel Jackson, I was like, oh, well, that's this not about to be this movie. But you know what? I think one of my overarching he, he criticisms, has the capabilities to to do that. One of my I, overarching I criticisms of this capable. movie is that they shouldn't have called it Chirac. I think it would have. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair exponentially. If you would have mm-hmm. named it like Random Town, like name it something random. Right. Don't name it because if this violence is as rampant as you say it is, and if this could happen it on any town neighborhood or on any mm-hmm. street, you could have given it any name. But when you put it in that context and you give it that that nomenclature, right? You automatically mm-hmm. categorize it and put it in a place that people's minds go to and they process it one of two ways either from an experiential basis either from inside of chicago themselves or as another black body who sees that type of violence every day Mm -hmm. or from a perspective of an outsider looking in i.e all these white people that are are trying to understand the dynamics of 
uh, this phenomenon, of this phenomenological violence that is happening on a regular basis. Like, they're trying to wrap their minds around it. And so you give them, I think, loaded expectations across the board right. of what you plan on coming with that that devalues it. Like so much. That's, that's what's, when you miss that's the what's mark. crazy about art. You can you can always flip it up. Always. I, I think I, again, and I called the movie lazy. I called it lazy, and that's yeah. why because I think that was a missed opportunity to make it that expansive conversation. But no, you took the bait. You took the big shiny <laughs> Chirac example because this is the worst place. And yeah, I mean, and and this is the thing. And this is what I was telling you earlier. I'm not impressed by you spouting stats that you know mm. the death rate in Chicago was worse than the Iraq and Afghanistan war because that's old news. Like, that's not new news. Like, But to some people, that is new. Some people are just completely unaware to what's going on in this world. I'm just, that's on the news. That movie is Chirac, what they see. Two hours. It's an hour and 58 minutes. You string together statistics and stuff that come up on MSNBC, CNN, uh, WGN TV, the, 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 you know, like local news sources. It's crazy what people just sometimes don't see, don't know. When I went to the counter, the girl was like, uh, "Why do they call it Chirac?" Hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, like <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to take. I mean, you're right. I want to stand. I don't, don't want to take people's knowledge for what's going on for granted, because I think once yeah. I do that, then I, I I step on the foot of a movement that needs to be broadcasted and localized and screened from the mountaintop. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to. Right, do that. and that's kind of how. Because I'm like, you know, to me, I felt the same way. Like. You know this. You know this is old news, or I I knew this was in Chicago, so I kind of took it for that. So I think I was just kind of rolling with what I was getting while I was watching the movie, and um, like I said earlier, I definitely thought it was over the top. Uh, definitely sexualized a black woman, over sexualized, hyper sexualized, whatever you want to say. I mean, you know, um, the the sexualization. And, I, and the thing is with me, I, I'm seeing that I, I cut out the TV because that's what I was seeing. Hmm. I was getting frustrated watching TV. Like the shows that our people are watching, overwhelmingly more than any other demographic, or like Power, Empire, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. True. You know where is the where is the positive programming? I had to I had to cut it out completely. I watched the whole first season of uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Thought it was great, but then I I kind of felt just slimy watching that shit. I mean. I, you know, I won't like, say that the, the the TV the the images and the shows that are out now. And the representations of black life that are out now on television are the best. I just don't think that Spike Lee's approach to it did anything to help that. Because whereas you, you know, you point out the Mm -hmm. hypersexuality of black women that are in the movie. I don't even have a huge problem with that. I or Mm -hmm. my larger problem with the representations of hypersexuality in the movie had to do with the way that it was explained from men's perspectives. I had a really big issue. Oh, that was weird. It was like too much. It was too much. No, like I think I'm hoping we're about to agree just that the hypersexual (laughs) the hypersexualization of the black male. And black okay. men in that movie, it was like almost too much to the point where it was uncomfortable. And like th- th- that's why that was mm-hmm. why I had a huge problem with it because I was in the theater with like three or four other white people, and it was pretty much it. And I'm assuming people mm-hmm. that are not black, I was able to see them enough to see <laughs> that they did not at least appear to be phenotypically black to me. I will say that. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I'm in the theater, I'm of course not only watching it for myself, but I'm thinking through what they're watching, and because. It was so, so, so just overdone and mm-hmm. just, it, it it got trite at some points. Like the satire wasn't even satire. It's like, just, this is tired. 
and I, I kept wondering, mm. like, and being uncomfortable watching it. I was I was thinking about that, though. I was, I was uncomfortable I was watching it, and I'm like, I hate that white people are watching this because I feel like in a weird, mm-hmm. unfortunate way, white people came into this like, oh, all black people do up there is shoot each other. That's all they do up there is shoot each other. And they walked away being like, mm. I stand corrected, Jill. What, Jane? Oh, Bob, how did you feel about it? Well, at first I thought they were just up there shooting each other, but now I know that they just have sex all the time and they just, mm. they shoot each other and then and fuck each other all. And I'm just like, I'm upset because I, mm. I feel like that even allowed the most intelligent and theoretically and uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, the most well-read, the most mm-hmm. uh, engaged, intelligent, well-rounded person versed in English and rhetoric and satire and comedy and all of that, I, I think they would have missed it. I think the whiteness mm. that has created the standard of normalcy for what is appropriate behavior and an okay way to live will become the filter that they use to not even connect with it on an artistic level, but to go back to their kind of general predispositions to understand black people a certain way. So that's what I mean when I say almost even with To Pimp a Butterfly, like I worry, I have those same concerns that a lot of what you want to artistically give us to consume, I only want to consume in a private room away from the gays of white people because I feel like Mm -hmm. they have issues separating what is artistic and ingenious about these approaches versus Mm. what we're really living and i i I fear for us in that world does that make sense like i don't know it 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 does and especially thinking about that uh i watched it in the empty theater yeah (laughs) like monday afternoon or something so you i I mean you was in you was in yeah yeah, you had a private screening room yeah, like it was just me chilling. Just they just blocked the whole theater for me that day. I'm like, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I don't but, know. I okay, just I had a, like, I, I had a huge I, problem. Because I've been that. in movies before, and then something's on the screen is like you know some representation of black people. I'm like, oh, you know, like kind of you kind of like cringing, holding your breath yeah. for a second. And you like you just so know that they're not gonna get the joke. I can definitely understand that because I didn't get that feeling at all because I looked around like ain't nobody in here. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know if I would like because that was, that was really weird how they was just you know they was just pretty much saying they gonna you know gonna take it yeah which I was like whoa chill like but I, I was it, it got a little rapey. I kept it coming back in the movie rapey. like it flirted with rapey and I didn't like that right like they then, but I also I also was thinking like is this an example of our imitating life like you know how 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 relevant is this issue. Amongst our men, that's kind of something I was thinking about. Cause I'm like, man, this is so like over the top. It made me like kind of like, okay, why is this so over the top right now? Yeah, I, is he trying to get a point across, like, you know how how we're how we're actually treating our women, you know, on like on some like psychological level type shit. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I don't know. Give, like, I'm sitting give, there kind of pondering give on Spike that. Spike Lee that credit, but I, I don't really care who you are when it comes to like the delicacies and the uh, vulnerabilities of just black people right now. And I, mm-hmm. I like, I just worry about giving white folk ammunition. So when I see black men mm-hmm. just overwhelmingly kind of, I think the word that I want to use is gratuitously being shown and depicted as like depraved kind of savaged. And mm-hmm. I mean, and it's very funny that, you know, in that sway, 
interview. He was like, you know, black men aren't savages. You know, people want to criticize us for using Nick Cannon, for me casting Nick Cannon, but when is it mm. cool to kill people? Just because he doesn't kill people doesn't mean he can't portray this story, and that's absolutely true, but then you show this savagery in a whole nother way and kind of feed back into that motif of a different type of sexual savagery when you, I think, go over the top with these these sexual depictions. So I don't know. I had some issues with the hypersexuality of black men. I know a lot of people fo- focused on the women, but it made me mm-hmm. uncomfortable to watch the way the black men were depicted um, mm-hmm. in the film. The third thing that I had a problem with mm-hmm. um, is what felt like Spike Lee's kind of continuation of the status quo of the black community and of black people with his queer erasure. I feel like there was a very direct um, erasure of the queer experience. And it made me Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, especially listening to him talk about in the interview this being a contemporary piece. Because if it was contemporary, I feel like one thing that would have upped the uh, the artistic ante for this project is if he could have found a way Uh, to navigate those types of experiences in this film. I think a sex strike, I think conversations about uh, black sexuality, I think in a world where last year, I think where you had some poll come out that say that there is more LGBT black people in the United States than any other group of people. And that was something that had, you know, the black community's head kind of hit, uh, heads hung low. And there was a lot of conversation about it and the implications I have has on us as a community. But I think it finally speaks to people even being willing to check boxes on pieces of paper to accept that part, um, of them and their, uh, complexities as black people right and i Mm. think for finally in life we have a society at least a black community that even though it doesn't seem like it on the surface is finally ready to look itself in the eye and say this is a part Mm. of real life and i feel like in this movie spike lee does a direct uh disservice to queer bodies and queer individuals by erasing them i think from the movie i think uh it's very problematic snoop your girl snoop right Mm. who was in the wire who on social media is very out and open and very publicly, uh, I believe, uh, I don't know how she identifies, right? But is very mm-hmm. is, is out, right? As a uh, as a homosexual woman, as a lesbian woman, I believe, and I don't want to mislabel, which is why I'm uh, kind of trying to navigate that conversation delicately. Right. But it was it made me uncomfortable to watch her like engage in the chant and engage in the pack. And talk about penises and talk about and I, and we know like she it just looks so mm-hmm. uncomfortable to me, right? To have her you, there, you think it was uncomfortable for her? I'm, I can't speak for her. I'm saying it was uncomfortable but, for me to watch to mm-hmm. know her real life existence and to feel like just even watching her in the way she was dressed, it was almost like uh, cognitive dissonance. Watching her, knowing what I knew about her, and even watching her dressed in the movie, she was dressed mm-hmm. like a tomboy. She was dressed in kind of bigger, baggier clothes the same way she would any other time. And on any, I, I follow her on Instagram. We've seen The Wire. Mm-hmm. I've seen other projects she's been a part of. The way that she was dressed in, she was dressed in the movie, but she was still just along with the girls. And I just thought that was so weird, especially when, mm-hmm. if this is a contemporary issue when we talk about it, queer lives are being lost every day on the street. 
and not just because of targeted violence, like against, uh, of course, we have the dynamic of uh, trans women of color being targeted and violently acted upon. We still mm-hmm. have, you know, violence against LGBT uh, individuals uh, in our communities on a regular basis, whether it be basis, whether it be on the streets or in the church or um, on the city hall steps or wherever. Right. We still have this violence, but these people are also still getting shot. They still mm-hmm. are getting they're in gangs. They have cliques. They have squads. They turn up. They in Chirac, right? Why are we pretending like these people aren't here? Like they don't exist. Like again, this becomes like that just misnavigation, missed opportunity, lazy approach to telling these stories that I just really think missed the marks in terms of giving a truly contemporary investigation of the dynamic of violence. And I'm not even saying it has to be a movie about specifically uh, queer experiences. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. treat these people like they're sexual beings and they exist in modern time Chicago because they do. Like, right I mean, do you think? I'm, what do you? How do you feel about that? Am I missing the mark? I mean, like, do you it's, feel it's, like it's, it's, a, it's all about inclusion? So, I mean, these are people. I'm not even. Our brothers, it's not even. I'm, this is not a you question know, of inclusion for me, though. This is a question of yeah. reality, realistic representation. Yeah. Like, I we're not trust people. I mean, queer people are not saying. I mean, I don't want to get hung up on the words that I'm using, but yeah. it's it's about having everybody represented. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I yeah, that's that's definitely what we both saying. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely because you know, I know both women and men. So, I mean, if this if this is a people issue, then tell a story about people. Right. Like, this is one of those times where I felt like he was trying to demonstrate the overlap between um, mm-hmm. the play and the movie and the play and what's mm-hmm. happening in Chirac, that it, it was just, it was a lazy overlap. Like, instead of thinking critically about how I can create some nuance about these experiences, I'm just only, only queer, I mean, only straight people exist in the world. And this is a man-woman issue. This is not about the violence that is created and the wedges that mm-hmm. have been separated against a community or within a community based on the dynamic of violence that affects everybody the same. Mm-hmm. Right? Quit saying this, this is everybody thing if you don't want to look at this issue and how it's affecting everybody. That was just one of my huge issues was just, I think, an erasure of a huge, important part of any urban setting in America that you right. want to talk about, especially with black people. Problem number four. I feel like My bad. lazy is the appropriate. No, when you say lazy, you, you use that word a few times. I feel like that was most appropriate for for number three. I, I just, I have even, I, there's more. So I'm, I'm ready for number four. Number four, G. What is up with John Cusack playing this white pastor? Help me understand this. Help me get it. Oh, I'm really. <laughs> it pissed me off. Like, pissed. And uh, for so many reasons, but help me understand. I want to hear why. Well, I don't because I, I, if if I can show you my notes, I put John Cusack in the question. <laughs> ah. When I once I found like because remember we were talking on the show before, I was like he was a, you know I was like I'm a John Cusack fan, Bruh. still am, but it was just I don't know why they put him in that role. You know what word I'm gonna use to you know, just the scene is just the black Jesus in the background. Oh my god! And then the crowd, this the black people in the crowd. <laughs> he wagging his finger around, sweating. They got the organ playing. Camera. I was like, I had like a little like, uh, but there were some weird oh scenes god. in this movie though, because I put that. I remember the point where I said, "There's some weird scenes in here." Gee, like I just <laughs> listen. You know what word was, I would use to describe John Cusack in this movie? 
probably a mess. Lazy. All right. Uh, <laughs> and the reason why is because they had a piss poor after he done been on camera doing all types of weird stuff for about an mm. hour and a half. They have this blur, like this piss poor moment um, in like the last quarter of the movie where they're like, oh, white man, why are you randomly here, part of our lives? And he's like, oh, because I grew up down the street. I live eight blocks from here. And so I know about the violence in Chicago, which is why, like, I ended up being a pastor and being here in everybody's life, and I'm able to to be a front runner and a, a, a prominent person in this movement that's happened in Chicago. That blew my mind. That was such a lazy, like, and literally what you said is an accurate portrayal of what happened. You have this white man in this church, mm-hmm. like, it looked like an AME church, an African Methodist Episcopal church, yeah. like a traditional like, oh. historical black church, all black yeah. people, right? This one mm. white man <laughs> is the only one. Like I look, the only, and I'm looking hard. <laughs> is it? And, and listen, you can't be the only white man. Like if you have a word if you know how to rightly divide the word of truth if you are leading with the bible and have the admonition of christ in your heart i believe that qualifies you to stand before a congregation of people and to lead them in the direction of the faith right i think that gives you a green light ain't no black heaven or white heaven it's one big heaven if you ask any believer Mm -hmm. that anybody believe in in jesus and and in heaven and in christianity will tell you that here's my problem this man was up there and his mannerisms. He's sweating and preaching and hooping and got a little mm-hmm. accent now. He's talking a little bit different. And I'm nowhere. just like, what is happening? Then, Cameron, please help me understand why this man had on a kente cloth stole. Why did he have a stole on that was the same pattern that was on the casket? And it was kente cloth. Yeah. It, was, it was. It was like an African pattern. Like, I'm sitting. It was like here. one of the first things I noticed, though. Like when you were saying, I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What is happening right now?" I could not fathom mm-hmm. that his language. He was like, "We, we." Now, to some extent, I give you some credit. You are a member of a community. You are a leader of community, right? You are mm-hmm. intimately invested in, you know, the the plight of your parishioners, parishioners, and of quite possibly your neighbors. I'm assuming you probably live pretty close. Right, so I get the we language, but sometimes it may be un- uncomfortable because I'm like, who is we? Right, mm-hmm. like you know, you don't go through this. Yeah, you, and it, it, it ended know. up it giving me it gave me like this Tim Wisey feel. Like you got a dose of the mm-hmm. Tim Wise syndrome where you a little bit too comfortable being up mm-hmm. in here and being up in the Kool Aid, and because you kind of know the flavor, and we let you throw the Kool Aid packet away, you feel like you can be all up in this conversation so much so that. You are embedded within it in a way that is not accurate. It is not true. And it does not speak to, I think, your position in any movement that is trying to liberate these people, right? Like, it was very weird for me to see all these shots go to the wall of black Jesus, like, on the wall. I was like, right. But then they create a white savior in the movie. And I was like, I don't, what's the point? I was ready for that scene to be over. I really was. It was a couple like, scenes. Damn. I think it was like more than one. There was one at the end with Nick Cannon and the girl. I was like, man, this they got some fucked up scenes. <laughs> they got some scenes in here that are just really like odd. Okay, just odd. But I, I still didn't get to the point where I hated it though, like you. So it's just I, that I couldn't. 
that I think more than anything else, when he was up there preaching, like his scenes are a large part of what made me want to leave. Like I just did not understand how you Mm -hmm. can literally have um, these pictures of Black Jesus on the wall, but then have a white savior right there inside of the congregation. Like I maybe that a satire. Maybe I was supposed to pull something away from that message. The fact that usually it's black Jesus in the church and white Jesus on the wall. Mm. And maybe this time it's black Jesus Mm. on the wall, white Jesus and white savior in the church. I don't, I missed it. Maybe I'm just that simple, but. I mean, that's possible. Very well. I mean, maybe. Spike Lee, I hope you listen to this. Please give me some explanation on what you was trying to do with that because I don't understand. You know, one of the writers is a professor at KU. Hey. That's why when I didn't you go make, there. Emporium State University. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just saying you can, you can address somebody personally, maybe. Maybe, Roll maybe reach out, maybe send an email. I don't, I don't, I just don't know what happened with that. Um, hmm. yeah, that was troublesome. Let me see. I think I had one more thing that I had a problem with. That was my number four. Okay. Uh, yeah, my number five. Ironically, mm-hmm. um, it's just that it was lazy. <laughs> I think I kind of implicate that in more specific ways yeah. throughout. Um, and I talk about a lot of the reasons why I thought it was lazy here in number five. But number five, really, I just felt like, I mean, the writing was whack. We kind of talked about that. I felt like in some ways, like, the writing just generally, not even the, the approach of writing it in sonnets, right, poetically and writing, not mm-hmm. necessarily um, dialogue, but very much in a traditional uh classical greek sense right it, it was presented in a way that w- that had a lot of fidelity to that but i just don't mm, I, I feel like some of it was just whack i felt like see i like that i, I really did i enjoyed that i was like kind of hanging on like what they gonna say next because even if it was bad I was like, okay i liked it just I not know. enough i i i, I enjoyed that mm, 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 i don't know um I talked about already how much better it would have been if it was just not connected to like a known city um, mm-hmm. I think it played. This isn't Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. and another thing it's that we not. didn't talk about, but there was like a Huffington Post interview that you sent me that we shared with like um, eight to ten young black people from Chicago who talked about their original uh, oh, responses, yeah. and their visceral responses to it were accurate because I think they're right. I think it is too soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're far enough removed away from this to have number one a satire and two such a convoluted really sticky comedic approach like i I don't think we ready for that it's too soon is there a light at the end of the tunnel for this issue what do you mean like do we see any end in sight when it comes to gun violence in the city of chicago or just in america i can only hope you know it's really weird because i think that question begs the question of if, you know, I'm an Afro-pessimist or an Afro-futurist or an Afro-optimist mm. or, like, how I understand the positionality. So it's like, when do you make make a film if you just... Of black people. Yeah. Like... If, you know, you gonna, you feel like making a film, like, when do you make that? If, I mean... I don't. I mean, I don't think there it's a win. There will be a, a good time to talk about things that are uncomfortable. But here's the thing: I think it's. I, I'm saying we're having a conversation. I don't like, think it's too I think soon. It's draw. I take that back. I stand I'm corrected. Sorry. I don't mm-hmm. think it's too soon. I think it's too soon mm-hmm. to go this hard. I think it's too soon mm-hmm. for this approach. I don't think it's too soon to talk about and have Sometimes a realistic that works. look. I don't know. It, I don't think it worked this time. I think it's too like soon. Said. Like the, just his the brand of comedy, the brand of satire, the way that the satire mm-hmm. was executed. 
it was too soon. He went too hard. Like, it's not just too soon. I'm not saying too soon and stop. I'm saying too soon and too hard with the satire. You laughing about stuff that people cannot find a giggle in. You're laughing about Mm -hmm. stuff that people are still trying to wrap their minds around. You're making light of jokes and making light of situations that we still haven't figured out how how to telegraph to white people so that they can get it, so that they can move out of the way so we can solve it. Like, there's too much that has not been understood, articulated, fathomable um, for our current uh, lexicon, right? We don't have the Mm. words. We don't have what a lot of uh, scholars who are talking about the black black experience now talk about a grammar for, a grammar of suffering to explain the way that people are living mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis in places like Chicago and elsewhere. Like, we literally have not even figured out how to talk about it yet, and already we have figured out uh, leave it up to Spike Lee with a way to talk about it, to translate it in the satire, and then to deliver it on a uh, in probably international scale, right? Mm-hmm. People internationally around the world will be able to digest this and we haven't even figured out how to talk to each other about it that's 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 silly to i don't me. know perhaps it'll it'll push the conversation like i think it, i find it interesting every time i go to the museum with somebody to the art museum we always end up talking about the the stuff that looks like nothing on the wall mm. hmm. never fails i mean yeah um you know to say that i'm upset about it sparking a conversation is not the truth. I'm not upset about that at all. I think that's always going to be good. I always think that's going to be preferable. I just think that you have to be more careful. And I feel like Spike Lee was careless. Mm. Um, I feel like, again, I'm not going to pat you on the back for, in my opinion, composing a two-hour presentation of what I could find in a Google search or... Um, Mm. on the news on a day-by-day basis. Like, yeah, I will give him credit for shedding light on the, um, what, what country were those people from? Uh, Liberia. Liberia. Uh, the, the women in Liberia for looking at, uh, the play and using that as a, a fulcrum for their movement that they created and getting attention there. Like, Mm. I didn't necessarily know about that. And so that's cool, but I just, I could Google that and figure that out. Like, what have you done? to create <laughs> nuance to that conversation. I could have did the same thing but didn't find about find out about it Period. Type of film. You know, I can give any I can give ten black people a bandana. Same thing. I can give ten black people some different color bandanas and say, okay, let's fight. I could turn on my phone and do that. Like mm-hmm. what I don't know. I felt like it was just it was a misfire. But that's just me. Uh, hey, that's just me. Still feel the same. Well, you know, that's what makes a good conversation a good chop up. <laughs> <laughs> when you know how you feel, you know what you want to do, you know yeah. where you understand yourself to be on a particular issue, but you can defend it. You know, a lot of people walk around here talking about they feel a certain way about certain things and can't back it up. So I'm not mad at that. Just be able to defend your position. And you did that very well. We just had I different think, perspectives. I think, yeah. I think that's okay. And uh, I definitely always learn something. So I'm going to definitely, I'm going to run it back and. I mean, I think I think if anything, you have given me a reason to sit back and at least try to pr- appreciate the art of mm. um, a thing a little bit more, whether it be from Kendrick or whether it be from Spike Lee, to just not be over hyper literal with things, but to let them have their abstract value and to appreciate that abstract value. I don't mm. always do that. I'm I'm really very much looking for, you know, not really surface level, like I'm I'm really shallow, but 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm not just thinking about what you did, but how it can be internalized and what people will walk away thinking. You know, sometimes I think it just can be a little bit more successful than others, and for all intents and purposes, I think Spike just kind of kind of missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I guess uh, maybe I'm operating with those filters with, with the understanding of, I don't know, maybe what I'm getting into or, or you know, how, like you said, how things can be uh, misconstrued and all that, so... It's, not, it's, it's very, very interesting. Definitely. Um, and very interesting that, like, I'm in the minority. <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't like, you know, reach out to social media and check and see where everything was. So I watched the movie mm-hmm. was thinking about it. And I was like, let me just, you know, did some, sent you the, the one little thing. And that just, you know, kind of kicked it off. I'm like, wow. Our people are not fooling with it. So I mean, I feel I like cool too. you planted some seeds in my mind. And I went into the movie trying mm-hmm. to be open-minded. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of my criticisms are criticisms I haven't even heard other people talk about. Um, no, no. Mm-mm. So I, I feel like I, I tried to go in there with a blank slate, try to give it a chance. Right. And really, I can't even front, though. We agreed on some of it. We oh, disagreed yeah. on other parts of it. <laughs> when it's all said and done, I was just happy to be in the movies mm-hmm. pretty much by myself. Like, I took myself on a date. And, and that was that was a good move. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was something I definitely needed. I was in a theater, like I mentioned earlier, with like three right. or four people. Like it was good. Like, like you own I was by myself on the back row, had my phone out, <laughs> my light, my brightness was all the way up. Uh, I was just back there, solo dolo, and and mm-hmm. so I'm definitely. I mean, I, I always I do little stuff. Like I go, I went to on a sushi date. Uh, when I first moved out here, took myself to this revolving sushi restaurant where uh, mm. not only do you order, but it's like a, a, a sushi or going around the restaurant on this little track and you can pull off plates off of there. So it was this whole experience and Damn, it was okay. awesome. Like literally put okay. my earbuds in, was jamming, listening to music, eating sushi by myself. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, yeah. I took myself to this movie. and so Got to. Because you remember we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I went to the uh, Big Crit. Solo, and and kicked it. <laughs> I was I was jealous. I'm on Snapchat yeah. like what? Yeah. And like it, I live in Cali. Yeah. I'm supposed to be at all the shows. And this dude over here yeah, at kicked it even kicking more, it. So that was crazy. But yeah. Shout out to self love and self care. It'll it'll well. have you meeting the people you need to be with in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of yeah. taking care of yourself. Definitely. Hey, mm-hmm. and then you can spread it to other people. You can share it. Then you got something to share, and then some left. You know, something left over for yourself. But it starts with loving on yourself. So shoot. All right, we went to the movies. Um, I think we should definitely make a habit mm-hmm. out of checking out some movies that come out um, in the future. Just because I really did enjoy kind of. You see, I might think, I might, you might have to make me get back in. You know, I've been like anti all that right now. So yeah, for movies, movies, y'all can, yeah. We can do movies. I think it's just about mm-hmm. finding what you like, you know. I mean, and I, I cut stuff on and I cut it off. You know, if I feel like it's not a thing or I feel like it's not really what I need to uh, put on my thinking mm-hmm. cap to think critically, to be inspired, to be stimulated, you know, I'll turn it off. But at the same time, oh, yeah. there are some good movies, some good series even, dare I say, out there if you want to get into oh, the yeah. nooks and crannies of, you know, the nep- the Netflix corners and the Hulu corners. You can probably find something to get into. Oh, we were talking about Black Netflix. Black Netflix. <laughs> but it is not called Black Netflix. <laughs> we're going to give it. This is not. They probably get sued. But Quayle.tv. Yeah. Quayle.tv. Quayle. Hey. 
turn up for the Quelle.tv. Yeah. K-W-E-L-I.tv, right? Correct, correct. But it, uh, I just signed up and uh, got a lot of uh, genres, health, wellness, fitness, adult animation, comedy, uh, current events, relationships, black history, a little bit of everything. So right. I think it's definitely worth um Worth the watch. Worth the look, and then it's what two ninety nine a month or nineteen ninety nine for a year. So I think the first thirty months, thirty months, thirty days <laughs> are free. So you can just yeah. try it out, see what's oh, up. I can. We can do that. Yeah. I can. I waste twenty dollars in in worse ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please, and, please. Uh, I could probably make that investment mm-hmm. and just kind of watching some people who look like me mm-hmm. uh because lord knows i just twenty dollars be gone asap so mm-hmm. i might have, i might have to invest in some quail.tv and yeah. i mean mix it up a little bit because i also find myself in some dead ends on on regular netflix sometimes feeling like mm-hmm. ah, i need to find something that just hits me a little bit differently so quail.tv i'm gonna have to see what's up with that yeah hmm, the interesting one is it oh yeah Oya, Rise of the Orisha, the, What's that? the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. African superhero movie. Yeah. Inspired by the ancient African deities known as Orisha. Yeah. That just I just scrolled by. I'm like, that looks interesting. Is something like that on Quayle.tv? Yeah, yeah. This I'm on Quayle.tv right now. I'm on the wow. on the page. I didn't already signed up, y'all. I think <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give me an account. I don't even know what's yeah. on it. I haven't investigated, haven't looked, but I know it's probably be a nice it, it'll probably be a nice distraction a nice switch up from what i'm normally listening to right now watching right now so yeah. i'm gonna probably get an account just to just for the heck of it that way we can talk mm-hmm. and chop it up a little bit more about you know what might yeah. be on there we're on this journey right now absolutely health is wealth we're making ourselves better yeah health of mind health of heart health of spirit healthy conversation healthy interactions hey we are here we're doing it listen this has been a chop up this is your girl Toya G. Who have I been rocking with? Cam G the coolest. You already know what it is. Hopefully you tune in next time. Don't forget to uh, catch these episodes and the episodes that we've already done on SoundCloud.com slash the chop up, BlogTalkRadio.com slash the chop up. Uh, Facebook is coming soon. The Instagram is coming soon. We got a lot of good stuff going on. But for right now, just stay plugged in. Listen to us. Comment. Talk to us about what you're listening to. We want to know what music we should be uh, vibing with, uh, what mixtapes, what albums you think are hot. So make sure you comment, like, share, and participate in some conversation about that. And also, you know, if you go see Chirac, I ain't going to tell you to go spend your money on it. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Wait for Redbox. Red wait for Netflix. <laughs> but however you going to go see it, go see it. And then share some commentary um, and give us your feedback about uh, Chirac so we can know, you know, if I, I want to know if I'm by myself. I feel like I said some things that were reasonably valid. And Thank I want to know yourself. how you people feel. I want to. I want to know how people feel. I want to know who on my side. We taking sides. <laughs> nah, playing. We in this together, y'all. Absolutely, absolutely. We on the same side. Just different perspectives, like I described last week with the notion of a prism. You know, we all one unit, just mm-hmm. different sides to every story. So, uh, much love to everybody. Hold it down. We'll talk to y'all in about a week or so. But until then, this has been the chop up. Much love.
quick on the phone We gonna have these conversations anyway And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media And you can chop up any day Cause you can stream us in any place And then I say I was Cam G